Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. I want to just continue, since we're talking about leadership, I want to continue to dive into leadership. Today's message is not too long. I shared it in the 930 huddle that, that I wanted to make all these points and I wanted to talk about so many things, especially because of the title of the message. But for some reason, God was making me so uncomfortable, I could not leave from this one thought. So hopefully it's for someone here. <laughs> um, if, and I'll let God just figure it out and I'll just be um, faithful with what he's given me. But I want to turn to Joshua 1 again for the third week now, third installment, Joshua 1. And I want to read the verses in which this series um, is based on. And it's Joshua, he's, a, he's, he's entering into a place of leadership. He's entering into a place where he is, um, we know he's Moses, um, he's Moses' successor. And he's going to take over where Moses left off. It's a huge role to fill. I mean, big, big shoes to fill. I mean, it's one thing to say... Um, you're a leader, but it's another thing that you're saying you're leading after Moses. <laughs> you know, it's almost like I feel like when I preach sometimes in different conferences and they ask, like they put me behind that one preacher, that you're like, I do not want to preach behind that guy. There's, why would you do that? To humiliate me. Because, um, because you just know where you stand in the, in the pecking order. You just know, like, I know my grace. And my grace is not to go last in that conference, you know. And... Um, and um, that's kind of, I'm guessing, what Joshua felt. Like, God, why me? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lead after Moses? Like, he would, if, if you study scripture, he's one of the best leaders in the Bible. One of the greatest leaders that we teach on. Leaderships, seminars, and conferences. Just study the life of Moses. His errors, his successes, his faults. Um, every aspect of Moses' life. But just a great leader. And Joshua was now going to take over. And that's where we're at for the last three weeks. So if you haven't heard any of the first two sermons, and especially... Really, where our hearts started to be stirred in this, our 11th anniversary, um, go back and listen to all these we will messages, and I, and I believe you're going to be blessed. So, so we're going to jump into the third installment, and it's titled this, if you take notes, we will be careful. Look at the person next to you and just say, be careful. When, when, I, if, when I tell you, be, I feel like Bishop Granham, you know what I'm saying? You, you know, I'm, I feel like if you were there in the leadership seminar. When I tell you to be careful, what's the first thing that comes into your mind? <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know what? Since I asked that. When I say be careful, oh <laughs> I think Mando said you should do that on Sunday. Was it you that told me that? All right, so I'm going to listen to Mando today. So when I say be careful, Debbie, what's the first thing that comes into your mind? Something's wrong. Something's wrong. That, that could be something. But no, I don't want to play that role today. But, but maybe something's wrong. Um, maybe what else? Someone else. Be careful. We'll go. Stay out of trouble. Oh, so baby, basically what? Um, be aware. Yeah. Be careful, be aware, danger, look out, be a watchman even. Mind your testimony? testimony? Good, mind your testimony. Keep your testimony, be careful. So there's all these different things, right? And that's today's message, it's titled, We Will Be Careful. Joshua chapter 1, let's just read the verses that we're on. It says in verse 6, as God is telling Moses a lot of things in Joshua 1, and um, giving them some promises and some instructions. In verse 6, he says, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people. That was part 1 and part 2. Remember that? Be strong lead these people. That's part 1 and part 2 of our series. We're in part 3. Part 3 is this. Ready? 
verse 7, be strong and very courageous and be careful. There it is. That's part three. Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left, and then you will be successful in everything you do. Stop for a moment. If you are careful, then you'll be what? Aware. Aware. But what did he say? If you're careful and you do these things, then you'll be what? You're going to be successful. In your carefulness, you're going to find success in that. You're going to be prosperous in that. I I like that God is warning Joshua, be careful. Why should I be careful? You want success in your leadership? You want success in your ministry? You want success in your life in whatever area that we're talking and leading in? Then you need to be careful. And I love that God tells him that. You're going to be careful and don't deviate from what has been told to you. Don't turn to the left or to the right from what has been spoken to you. And then you're going to be successful, successful in everything that you do. I wanted to read 8 and 9, but I feel like that right there hits it. Be successful in everything you do. What do I need to do to be successful? Well, God tells Moses, be careful. Come on, answer this. Careful of what? You read it. Put it back on the screen if it needs to be back up there. Be careful of what? To do what? To keep the law? But there's a great word there. that Don't miss it. Obey. Be careful to obey. You want to be successful. Your success will never come unless you're obedient. Obedience is the path to success. Obedience is the route that you're going to take to prosper. In order to get to that promised land that I'm giving you and the children, you need to walk in obedience. How many of you do not raise your hand, but you live a life of disobedience, but yet you want the promised land? And God's like, no, how can I give you something that you can't handle obedience in? And that's, that's, that's leadership for us. And this is not like, oh, that's a pastor's call. No, this is our call as Christians to live a life obedient to Christ, obedient to his word, and obedient to the things that are spoken into our lives. Are you one of those individuals that when someone that's godly, a leader in your life, speaks into your life, you automatically get offended? Okay, obedience. What is it that you could take from them? What is it that you could receive from them? He tells Joshua that to prosper, to be successful, you must obey. And I love what comes after that. Don't just obey some things. He says, obey all the things that Moses has told you. Obey all the instructions. Make sure... That's why I love that, right? Like the word of God, these people that just grab sections of it and apply it to their lives and, and get the ones that, that it feels fit need, however you say that verse, that, that sentence. No, you know, I, I go to that side, but I don't do this. And yeah, but the context of that, no, 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 it's all of the word. In the Old Testament, when they were going to eat the lamb, the Lord says to eat all of the lamb. And, and it, it, was an, it, was, it was to eat all of him. Jesus in the New Testament, in John chapter 6, he tells all his followers, you're going to eat my flesh and you're going to drink my blood. You're going to eat all of me. You're going to eat all of it. You're going to obey all instructions to what? To be successful. I can't leave some of it out. All of it, and in all of it, I need to be obedient to. God gives Joshua, if you remember, the blueprint to success. And we've gone over this. And he tells him things like, I drew out the boundaries of all the land. I don't know if you remember this. It's all yours, wherever your feet touches. These people are yours to lead. The one, no one will be able to stand against you. I won't fail you. I won't abandon you. Be strong, courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I'm with you wherever you go. You remember that. I'll do my part, God says. I will do my part. But what does he say? But here's your end of the deal. You got to do yours. You have to do yours. How many of you know that God does his part? But just because God does his part 
Man, I, I love what, like, when, when Scripture says, you know, he draws, he draws near. He does. God draws near to those who draw near to him. Like, he's not like, I'm just drawing near to you, but don't ever feel like you need to draw near to me. No, I draw near to those who draw near. What does that mean? I do my part, and you do your part. And I, and I love that because we see that a lot in Scripture, not just here in the life of Joshua. But, but God does tell Joshua, you need, to do your, you need to play your part of the deal or, 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 or meet the end of the deal, your end. You get it. Be careful to what? Obey all. And specifically, he says, all the instructions that Moses gave you, all the instructions that I gave Moses that were passed down to you. Be careful to obey them all. Don't deviate. Don't turn to the left or to the right. Don't let it depart from your mouth. And I love this. You meditate on it day and night. And if you keep this, God says, you're going to prosper everywhere you go. You're going to have good success. You're going to have success in all you do. This is special. Because think about Joshua's life for a moment. Joshua, think about his ministry. Think about his leadership. Think about what God's about to do in him. Joshua, as we know it, what is he going to face right now? He's going to conquer the land. And what is he going to face? Opposition. What is he going to face? Enemies. What? War, battles, kings, armies. So, so Joshua is going to face battles, wars, fights, too many to name. We, we did that in, in that first week. He was entering this land that the Lord was giving the Israelites and as an inheritance. And in entering this land, he was going to face battles and wars and fights. But it's very interesting when you read, especially this scripture right here in John 1, because the Lord is not instructing Joshua in how to be strategic military, in, in military strategies. This is how you need to do it, okay? When you get to AI, make sure you do this. No, it's when he got to AI that God told him what to do next. It's when he got to Jericho that God told him what to do next. I'll see if you're obedient and in your obedience. I'll give you the next step. Get everyone to blow some trumpets and horns in the seventh lap and watch the, I mean, crazy things that God does. But it comes from a place of obedience to then know what the next thing is. It's interesting because the Lord is not instructing him in military strategies. The Lord is not instructing him in warfare tactics. With all the battles that Joshua would soon face, the Lord is actually telling him something different. And what the Lord is telling him is this, your success depends not on military strategy strategy your success depends listen to this please this is my message here's my thought that God wouldn't let me go your success depends on your degree of obedience unto God it's not on the earthly and the carnal things all that Joshua was going to encounter outwardly and all the success that he would have it all depended on his spiritual state and his, degree, and his degree of obedience unto the Lord. It wasn't about him being a great warrior. We know he was a great warrior. The beginning of the book tells us. It wasn't about him strategizing um, tactics to go to warfare. We know that he was good at that stuff. We know that. We know that. But it was Joshua, what I want to make sure you understand is that spiritually you're right with me. And that you always live in obedience to all that I've commanded. And, and I read this and, and, and it's a reminder that we should understand this. That true success is not won or found by earthly strategies or plans or tactics. But by the spiritual state one is in with Christ Jesus. 
and by obedience unto the Lord that one lives in. That's where your success is found. Your success is found not climbing up the corporate ladder or any of those things. Your success is found in the place of intimacy with Jesus and at the place, man, at the place where you live your life in obedience unto him. And he will cause you to prosper and be successful everywhere you go. Our success is found in that. Am I obedient to all? And am I in the right place with Jesus? Ask yourself this question. Are you right with Christ? And are you obedient? Are you obedient? Be careful to obey all. As leaders, we must be aware. We must always be careful. Be careful in many things. But here specifically, be careful to obey all that was instructed to you. I want you to notice something specific, and it was driving me nuts. And I was like, all right, God, let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. He's like, no, stay. See, God is a God of order. How many of you know that? God is a God of order. God is a God of order. And, and I wrote this down. He's honored in those who obey. He's honored in those who obey. And he honors those who obey. He's honored in and he honors those. Very important to understand that. There, there is an honoring God in your obedience and there's an honor from God in your obedience. And, and that's just the beauty of relationship with God. He is honored and yet he still honors. And, and I think that's very humbling. And here's Joshua in his early years and what is Joshua told? He was told to follow a specific order. I really believe this in the scripture as we're talking about leadership. Joshua was to follow an order. And in this case, the order specifically was to obey all the instructions that was given by Moses. That's the order that you're under, Joshua. Everything that I spoke into Moses, obey all of it. And I believe personally, and I'm going to speak from my end, and my wife is here, and the best person to say hypocrisy and your line is my wife. And if I'm lying, may she come up here and take, rip the mic off my ear. But I believe personally that God has given me a place of leadership because I've learned to submit under the order of leadership. But I've also learned and disciplined myself to honor those who lead over me. If my wife thinks I'm wrong, she could say, he's lying to you guys. That's not true. And, and that's fine. And they'll say, she caught me on my hypocrisy. But I believe that, that God will honor people into greater degrees of leadership because they've learned how to honor even their leadership that's over them. Joshua was to follow all that Moses instructed. He could have said, I'm the new leader. Moses is gone. But he was going to fall under that mantle. And, 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 you know, I think about Joshua, and he could have been what other people might do in life. Many people desire positions, and I've seen many make decisions for the sake of positions. But here's the Lord, and the Lord is reminding Joshua that his success depended on the degree of your obedience. Yes, to God, but also the degree of your obedience to the instructions that Moses gave you. Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. I'm not going to take that verse out of there. That verse is there for a reason. That line is there for a reason. I believe that. That I, we, you, all of us, we need to be careful. And we need to understand that to lead, we need to allow ourselves to be led. 
And that's the reality of, the, of life, man. To lead, I need to allow myself to be led. And if I can't be instructed, and if I can't be corrected, and if I can't be taught, then why would God ever allow me to instruct and to correct and to teach? You have no authority to teach and to correct and, and to speak into anyone else because you don't allow anyone else to correct and to teach and to instruct you. And, and this is what Joshua's going through. You're going to lead, but don't ever forget that which was given to Moses. You know, in Matthew uh, chapter 28, I want to make a point here. Because Jesus appears to his 11 disciples. 11 disciples. Why do I say 11? This is after his resurrection. And as he appears to them, he says these last words to them in the Great Commission. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How many of you have heard this before? And verse 20, he says, and teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. I'll stop there for a moment. And, 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 and teaching them to observe all the things that I've what? Commanded you. What is Jesus saying? You're going to pour to them what I've what? Poured into you. You're going to what? Teach them what I've what? First taught you. You're going to do everything before them as I've done what? Before you. You now be my instruments. You now be my ambassadors. You now be my representations. You live out with that authority before them as I lived it out before you. The, the Great Commission. It's key, right? They, they, they were to obey the Great Commission, which one key factor of it was to teach others everything that has been taught to you by me, Jesus says. See, the disciples were given a great task. And the great task was to pour into others because they've allowed themselves to be poured into. I want you to really examine your heart. Are you a difficult person to be poured into? That's affecting your leadership in this world. Everything is offensive to you. That's pride and immaturity and maybe deeper issues that are going on inside of you. That God needs to deal with. I'm not just telling you to listen to everything I say. I'm, this has really, this has nothing to do with me. I'm just saying, are you a difficult person for others to pour into? Are you a difficult person to teach? Are you a difficult person to instruct? Are you a difficult person to correct? I love when people come up to me and say, hey, you know, I want you to give me constructive criticism. I hate doing that. I hate, now you guys know, don't, don't ask me to do it. Because I hate it with a passion. Because most of my um, experiences, have, oh, they've gone bad. I'm like, you told me to do this with you. I've, I've, I, that I've sat with people and uh, what do you think about like the things? I'm like, well, you know, will you? And then they get a fan. I'm like, what happened? I mean, I thought this is what you wanted. And then, so then the next time I did it, great. I mean, it's good. Because, because it's hard, you know, like, do you really, do really want to get into this kind of lifestyle together? Do you really want to pour into each other? Do you really want to correct each other? Do you really want to teach each other? Do you really want to dialogue about difficult things together? So if you want to learn and you want to effectively pour into others, you need to be humble enough and have the right heart to say, you know what? I need godly leadership over my life to pour into me and correct me and teach me and instruct me so that one day I could also walk out and instruct and correct and teach others man joshua be careful to obey all these things all these things the early apostles listen to this were the early apostles were trusted into positions of leadership because they first learned to honor the great position of being student 
You know that the apostles, before they ever became apostles, they were known as disciples. Do you know the word disciples means student? They were students before they ever became apostles. The, the, the office of apostleship came from, from the place of always living as a student. Always living as a disciple. You never graduate from student. You never graduate in the faith from disciple. We're constantly learning. We're constantly being poured into. We're constantly at the feet of our grand teacher. And we don't ever puff yourself up that you think that you are of some value, of great worth, that you think you're no longer a student or a disciple. That's the biggest error that you can make. We never cease from being the student of God. Pour into me and teach me and correct me and instruct me so that I could lead in that same fashion, Lord. And many times he uses people in my life. People in my life with a testimony and with a word and with a life that has weight and says, yes, I need you to speak into me. There were forever disciples and forever students who would be honored with this office of apostleship. Joshua's leadership Joshua's ministry, I believe this, was the fruit of Moses' leadership. Joshua was the fruit of Moses' ministry. He was the fruit of Moses. There would be no Joshua if there was no Moses. How many of you would agree with me? Moses' instructions, the work the Lord did in Moses and through Moses, would be seen in his successor, would be seen in his student would be seen in his disciple, it would be seen in Joshua. If there was no Moses, there would be no Joshua. So I had some fun last night. And I said, oh, let me write how this looks like in my life. To maybe, for you guys to understand the greater picture. Because you see, before I get into that, think about the work of God. The work of God seen in and through Jesus would now be seen in his students, his disciples. There would be no disciples if there was no Jesus. So I said, let's try this and see if you get this with me. Let's see if you, if you catch the picture. Ready? And maybe I mess up along it, but, but it's okay. I'm a man of many errors, so you have grace. If there was no Jesus, there would be no Peter and Paul. There would be no other disciples. Amen? There would be no other apostles. If there was no Paul, there would be no Gentile believers. If there were no Gentile believers, there would be no widespread of the gospel to many nations. If there was no widespread of the gospel to... The nations, there would be no gospel spread maybe to the Western world. If there was no spread to the Western world, then we could talk about the Jesus movement and even the Azusa Street Revival here. In the st- then there would be no, what we would call, the fa- I'm talking about my life, no David Barlock. If there was no David Barlock, we would have no CLM churches. If there was no CLM churches, there would be no Pastor Leo. If there was no Pastor Leo, there would be no Pastor Regal. That's just my, that's just my chain. And I left a lot of details out. But that's just my, 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 my chain of influence. What, what I mean is, is I came from, I'm fruit of someone else's life. And I'm not too prideful to admit that. I'm fruit of someone else's life. Yes, I'm God's ultimate fruit. Yes, I'm God's ultimate servant. I, I mean, I get the theological debate about that. I understand that. But I am fruit of my pastor's life. And my pastor is fruit of his pastor's life. And and, then the chain goes on. And and I started to look at all of this. And I said, man, I come from from an awesome line that, that, man, it starts with Jesus. And I said, I would not allow that chain to end there. 
And when I wrote this, I wrote this down, that someone else would say, if there was no Pastor Regal, then there would be no me. What a great honor that would be. If there is no Pastor Regal, then there is no me. We will be careful. So here's my point. Ready? Will the work of God in you and through you be seen in someone else? Will the work of God in you and through you be seen in someone else, in your student, in your disciple, in the person that you are taking under your wings? Will they reflect your image as you reflect his image? Think about that. Think about that for a moment. So I guess what I'm saying is, maybe I could say it in these terms, and I said this in the huddle. Will someone living alongside you or even under your leadership Will they come to know and encounter Jesus? Can you think about that for a moment? I'm not saying you invite them to church. Thank you for doing that. But many have gone to church and still will go to hell. Going to church does not grant anyone salvation. We all know that, right? Coming to church every Sunday, even tithing and coming to church every Sunday does not grant you a place in the kingdom. We know that. What I'm asking you is, If you place someone alongside you and under your leadership, will your student, will your disciple, will they come to know and encounter Jesus through your life? Will they? Because that's the bigger picture. And the the bonus is that they'll be added to our nest. But but that's, that's not the bigger picture. The bigger picture is not to fill up the seats. The bigger picture is to to add the kingdom of God. Will our students, will our disciples, will those that we pour into, will they reflect us as we reflect them? So, so I could do that thing again, but I won't do it because I don't know if we're seasoned there yet. But, but I will ask the question of, are you ready to walk alongside someone? Are you ready to walk alongside someone? Are you ready to look at someone and say, hey, bro, I, I just want to spend once a week with you for 30 minutes? And I want to just talk to you about the things of God. I just want to talk to you about life. Are you ready to take on that challenge with someone? Some of you, it'll scare you. Because, because maybe, maybe it's terrifying what some of those people might find by walking and doing life with you. What, what I'm trying to explain to you is, is, remember how I said last week, to ever lead someone, you first have to what? Lead, your, lead yourself. All this stuff is connected to one another. You know, I, I started to think about this and it's so true. I said, are you someone that could be taught? Are you someone that could be instructed? Are you someone that could be spoken to? You know if you're a difficult person. You don't need anyone to relate that to you. He's talking to you. You know you're difficult. If you're a difficult person in this room, you know you're difficult. You know you're difficult. So I started to think about this. I said, well, remember that one day you might lead someone like yourself. That's powerful. Because I, I actually have a lot of talks with a lot of you. Like, man, a lot of you, man. Yeah, I'm kind of like that too. And God's like, you like it? You like that you pastor people that are just like you at times? How do you like me now? God's like, I'm sorry, God. You know, it's like, you know, it's, this is, you know and we're having fun and we're joking and, but it's truth to that. Remember that one day you're going to pass for someone like you. So, so I ask this question to you. How would you deal with yourself? Right now, evaluate yourself. How would you deal with yourself? What? <laughs> how, 
how would you counsel yourself right now if you were your own pastor? If you were your own spiritual leader, which is such a dumb question because shouldn't the answer be yes? You are your own spiritual leader? You are your own pastor? You lead yourself in the sense you, you're in the word. You're, you're not growing because of someone else's growth. You should be growing in your own walk with the Lord. So if I were to give you the mic and, and, and say, how would you pastor yourself? What would come out of that from that question? What counsel would you give yourself? You know, I, I, go, to some, I go to one of my pastors and I go, I go to him for personal, sometimes my wife's like, you're going to meet with him again? What do you guys talk about? I was like, just ministry. <laughs> my pastor, and just, just ministry. Like, yeah, but what do you guys talk about? Just ministry. But we go and we have brunch at least once a month or once every two months. And I sit with him and sometimes I need him to know the ugly sides of me. He's someone that I could just, just this is who I am. This is what I'm dealing with. This is the struggle that I have. And and you know, many times when I bring things up to him, he, he always, and I can't stand when he does it to me. He'll look at me and he'll say to me, he says, okay, let me ask you this question. If you were in a meeting right now with yourself, what would you say to yourself? I'm like, that's not why I'm here. <laughs> so I smile at him because he's done it more than once already. I'm like, I know, I know the answer. I've, pastored, I've, I've given counsel to many people that I myself struggle to take that own counsel. Anyone with me? <laughs> One day, you're going to lead someone like yourself. How, how, and how would you deal with yourself? Here, here's the next part. Like, what would you say to yourself? So, back to this thought. Do you honor the place of being under so that you would honor and be faithful when you are above? You know, people that don't like this message right off the bat will dissect this and come against, like, I'm going to give you 10 points of why what you preached is wrong. Well, good. I don't care. There is leadership. There's, there's a place of under and there's a place of above and there's a place of learning and there's a place of instruction and there's a place of correction all over Scripture. So the one that complains to me of, I think that your message was wrong, I'll say, well, maybe your heart is wrong and maybe it's a struggle for you to be under and that's why this stuff offends you. But I need this stuff daily in my life. God has a way of always humbling me. God has a way of always showing me where I'm wrong. I just, I opened up last week into you, Angel, didn't I? And to Betsy in my own office about something that I did wrong. And you know why I did that with Angel and Betsy? I did that with you guys so that you could even see that through my failure, hopefully it brings growth to you so that you don't do it what I went through. So I was open with them. Last Sunday, I, I told them something that, that I struggled with and that I did. And it wasn't for them to gossip about me because then that would show their immaturity. It was to learn even from that failure because even I screwed up. And I recognized that I screwed up. And that was a humbling fact, a, a humbling moment that in the shower, I cried, literally tears coming out of my eyes because I know that what I did was wrong. And it wasn't even like something major, but yet it was. But yet it was. You see, I have to learn, like, there's always, there's always more growth. There's always something that I need to receive from someone. So here it is. The office of leadership that Joshua was given, the office of leadership that Joshua was given had Moses' fingerprints all over it. I, I believe it. So here's the next part. The identity that the children of Israel would walk into, if you were here for that message. The identity the children of Israel would walk into in the promised land had Joshua's fingerprints all over it. Amen? 
both these men and many others, right, on many occasions, occasions were told to be careful, be careful to obey all that I've commanded you. Actually, Moses was told many times. One example is in Deuteronomy 1132. 11:32, the Lord tells him, and you shall be careful to observe all the statutes and judgments which I set you before you today. In chapter 12, verse 32, whatever I command you, be careful to observe it, and you shall not add to it or take it away. Constantly, Moses is being told to be careful. Joshua is being told to be careful. Both these men, on many occasions, will be told to be careful to obey what was commanded to them. Each one of them, what am I trying to tell you? Each one of them had the fingerprint of God in them. And each one of them, listen, had to be careful to obey all that God was saying. Each one of them. See, Joshua's, and maybe I'll talk to you guys as young Joshua's, as other Joshua's, as a generation of Joshua's. So Joshua's putting myself in that same place. You want to be an effective leader? Hopefully your answer is yes. You want to be an effective leader? Here it is. Are you being careful to obey all the Lord has commanded you? Is the fingerprint of God in your life? And because of that, would it transfer to the ones that you lead or will lead. Think about that. Like when I hang out with Tito a lot or if I hang out with Maori a lot, or if I, hang out, I want them to be like me. Because I want, like, I'll give you a perfect example. When my wife gave me the look, she's like me and I'm like her. We're one. So I knew just by her look something was wrong with me. We have, in, in a sense, there's something that our minds are linked so I said, that look was different from my wife. And I knew automatically I had something on me. So, so, so I, I want in godly leadership, how are we thinking alike? How, 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 how is the Lord speaking to us? I love how one pastor that, that I admire um, says, man, if God spoke it to me, man, he'll speak it to you. When we come together, we already know what God is speaking because he's speaking to both of us. And, and, and what does that look like amongst each other? Be careful to obey all. I want to read some scripture for a second. In Titus chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 8 through 11, and then I'll skip to verse 14, and then I'm going to jump to Titus chapter 1. Let's just read, I'm going to read from the English standard here. In verse 8 through 11, it says this, the saying, the saying is a trustworthy, and I want you to insist on all these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good what? Notice what Titus is saying. Those who have believed in God, may they what? Be careful to what? To devote themselves. Notice what, notice what the scripture is telling us to devote ourselves to. Devote yourself to good works. And these things are excellent and profitable for people. I love that, that my lifestyle, man, my lifestyle is profitable for someone else. Titus is saying that in this passage. Man, be careful. Devote yourself to good works because in your good works, man, um, these things are excellent and profitable for other people, for people. Other people will be blessed because you are careful with your lifestyle, because you are careful with your life. You are obeying, and in your obedience, the fruit will be seen in other people's lives. And, and, And I love that Titus is saying that. He says, and then he goes into like, he goes into a rampage. Avoid foolishness, right? Avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and dissensions and quarrels. My God, does the church constantly deal with this stuff? Did you hear? Did you see? Did you see? Did you hear what they say? No. Shut up! Is what Titus is saying. Avoid this foolishness. 
Avoid all this stuff, unprofitable and it's worthless. But as for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, having nothing more to do with them, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful and he's self-condemned. And then he says in verse 14, and let our people learn. Now it's not just about you, but let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. Repeating what he's telling us personally now, corporately. Devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful our lives are to be fruitful and some of the ways that are or the way that our life is fruitful is others will also devote themselves to good works because the leadership has devoted themselves to good works hey follow me come on follow me as paul says follow me come on follow me because i'm following him Will someone following you learn to deeply follow the Lord? Or will your life before them draw them separate or more departed from the Lord? When the Pharisees came up to Jesus, Jesus had to correct them because they thought they were leading people into heaven. And he said, no, you're more sons of the devil than you are of God. You're leading people to hell rather than you are in the kingdom. And they thought they were doing God a favor as religious men. I'm getting people into heaven. I'm teaching people theology. I'm doing all these great things. And God said, you're more of the devil than anything else and leading people to hell. Why? Your life is not worthy to follow. You're causing people to be astray. Is your life one that will cause people to get closer to Jesus? Devote yourself. Be careful. Why should you be careful? Because you are a leader and you represent a kingdom and a king who sits on a throne. I represent a king who reigns and who has created all things. And everything was created by him and for him and through him. And woe is me if I'm leading a people while me myself am living in disorder. Man, I'm telling you, devote yourself. Be careful to live in good works. Why? So that your life could then be fruitful. And they too will devote themselves to good works. Be careful. And as leadership, young Joshua's, we will be careful. I won't drink with you. I won't smoke with you. I won't go to that place with you. I won't say those things with you. I won't watch those things with you. I'm going to be careful with the life I live because there's a train of people behind me that are following my steps. I got to lead them to Jesus. Like, what does that look like to us? What does that feel like inside of our stomachs and our belly and our gut? That our people learn to devote themselves to good works. Titus 1 Titus is addressing leadership, and he says, as he's addressing leadership in verse 16, he's talking about individuals. And look what Titus says. They profess to know God, but in works they deny him. Titus 1 says, in works they deny him. Titus 3 says, to be careful to devote yourself to good works. <laughs> devote yourself to good works and be careful. Titus 1 says, there's a people that in their works deny him. What does that mean? Not in their words. I actually think that who he's talking about is are people that don't deny him with his words, with their words, but deny them with their works, with their actions. Because it's, it's one thing to be faithful with your words and then just justifying the grace message and say, but we're all sinners saved by grace and then living your life recklessly. The grace message is not an excuse to live recklessly. The grace message is actually an invitation to live holy. 
So this, oh, I'm saved by grace. Flush that down the toilet. If you're saved by grace, you live in holiness and you live in righteousness and you devote yourself to good works. What caused you to do that? The grace of God. Why? Because I am and I was a deep sinner lost in my sin going to hell. But the grace of God has caused me to be careful and devote myself to every good work. And there's a people that deny, 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 it says here, Jesus by their works. My God, can you imagine that? If Titus is writing about your life, there's some in that church that they get it. They're careful with devoting themselves to good works. But then there's another who are denying him with their works. Those of you that are in here that God is calling you, I'm almost finished. Those of you that are in here that God is calling you, and you're denying him with your works. Seriously, what are you going to do about it today? What are you going to do about it right now? Because what you do is you're confusing. I have timers, stop clocks, all kinds of stuff happening here. You're confusing others. And you're leading others. We will be careful. So I guess to end... Are you being careful to obey all the Lord has commanded you? Is the fingerprint of God in your life? And because of that, would it transfer to the ones that you lead, like I said, or to the ones that you will lead? So the great question is, what does being more careful to obey all in your life look like? What does it look like? Should we talk about that for a second? What does it mean to be more careful to obey all in your life look like? Think about that. Be careful with your words, maybe. Be careful with your actions, with your life. You know deep down in there what it is. What God's called you to be careful in. Amen, Lord. Thank you for this word. <clears throat>